only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats, here is your host, Keith. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. My name is Keith, and this is episode 31. Today is January 17th, 2023. And before I forget, I'm on the Twitter. You can always search Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, or the official Twitter Twitter, Twitter handle is prep underscore podcast. My email, practicalpreppodcast, that's a lot of P's, practicalpreppodcast at gmail. Dot com. In my little show notes, I always have, oh, don't forget at the end to give your Twitter handle and your email address, and I always forget. Okay, got that out of the way. Gas here in Central Virginia, $3.19 a gallon. Fluctuated a little bit. Uh, was it a couple weeks ago? It jumped up like 25 cents just out of nowhere, and $3.19 a gallon is what I paid today. Let's talk about the price of eggs. I'm not sure what's going on with the price of eggs, but on social media, as well as the internet and some of the news programs, I'm not sure what's going on with the price of eggs, but the price has risen quite a bit. Here in Central Virginia, it really depends on where you go. The Lidl or Lidl, however you pronounce it, today here in uh, in Richmond, one of them in Richmond, $4.50 a dozen. And the limit was six, six dozen per person. You can go to other stores, Kroger and a few others, as expensive as six fifty a dozen. And the limit was two at this particular store. Went to Costco over the weekend. Costco for two dozen, like one, one container, one flat of two dozen eggs, 24 eggs, $10.49. And the limit was two, so four dozen was the limit that you could purchase at any one time. So why are eggs so expensive? I talked about this in the last podcast. Apparently, avian flu, the bird flu, has killed approximately 50% of all the chickens here in the United States, both meat birds, the ones that we uh, kill to eat, as well as your laying hens, the chickens that lay eggs so we can eat the eggs. So apparently 50% of the chicken population has died because of the bird flu. And another a gentleman, uh, he did a couple videos. He said that the bird flu is not any worse at his particular commercial farm than it has been in the past, but he's having a difficult time on getting workers as a lot of businesses are. He's having a difficult time getting people to come to work, process the eggs, and a lot of it's automated. One of the larger uh, chores there on a commercial farm 
is actually removing the chicken poop. And I went to a commercial egg farm years and years and years ago. And the floor that the chickens are in, uh, they're in cages, and all they do is eat and poop all day. The poop falls through the slats in the cages, and it falls down about 10 feet onto the floor of these enormous coop slash warehouses. And every so often, a guy comes through with a bobcat that's very well covered, trust me, and they scoop out just tons and tons of this chicken poop. Now, it goes towards fertilizer and, and things like that. But man, th that place smells. If you think just, you know, going to somebody's small backyard chicken coop, if you think that smells, you get within a few miles of one of these large commercial egg operations, and the smell is absolutely terrible. I know I talked about Twitter and the great thing about Twitter now, there's more and more information getting out there. Now we talked about um, the COVID vaccine, side effects, and that sort of thing. But in the same vein, we have a lot of people giving their opinion, basically without you know citing any websites or citing any data, saying that the avian flu is at fault. And this gentleman on the video, he's saying uh, his particular commercial establishment is because he can't get workers. I think that's the weird thing. And kind of it's kind of a dual-edged sword, Twitter being a more open platform now. Anybody can say anything. And the bad thing about that, there's a lot of gullible people out there. So they'll add a little bit to it. They'll retweet it when they really have no idea if the information that they're then retweeting, that they're putting out there on behalf of the original poster, is even remotely the truth. Again, like I've been saying all along, get your information from multiple sources and then you make your own decision. The war in Ukraine with Russia. We've got to be close to a year now with this war. I'm going to be very brief because I've spoken about it before. The only winners in this war is the U.S. military industrial complex and probably a bunch of politicians you know, on both sides both Ukrainian and Russia. So Zelensky and all the bajillions of dollars that we have sent Ukraine so far, he had the balls to congratulate Kevin McCarthy for becoming the Speaker of the House. And he says, the U.S. support in all fields has been vital for Ukraine's success on the battlefield. We're counting on your continued support and further U.S. assistance to bring our common victory closer. Now, this is the same guy who was flown on our dime, if you live here in the States, from the Ukraine to Washington, D.C. to address a joint session of Congress. He was there in his um, green sweater. I think that's the only thing he wears. It's kind of become his little, his little mini uniform. I also read that he's an actor. He was like on soap operas or something, and then he became a politician with no political background at all. Anyway, myself and a lot of other people that I know are growing very, very weary of this war and all of the money that the United States is sending over there. We have our own issues here. We have our own debt here. We have our own issues at the border, but yet Congress sees fit to send a lot of our hard-earned money, taking it as taxes, over to Ukraine. Speaking of debt, and money, and taxes, the debt ceiling limit expires in two days, meaning we will exceed the ceiling on the debt. We will reach that point, and we will no longer technically be able to have the money to pay the money that we owe 
on all sorts of debts to all, all different debtors. As we've done so many times in the past, Congress, they'll bicker back and forth. Somebody will dig their heels in. They'll point fingers. Oh, it's your fault. Oh, it's your fault. Blame, blame, blame. And then they will just raise the debt limit. Uh, we're going to raise another 2 or $3 trillion, and that'll get us through another year, year and a half, two months. It basically just kicks the can down the road, and it sets the stage for inflation getting worse, the economy getting worse. And normally, when the debt ceiling is raised, it makes folks on Wall Street very nervous. And the stock market that has already been taking a hit the last, what, 12, 18 months is going to take another hit again. So we have that to look forward to. I guess don't look at your 401k unless you want to be very, be very upset and disappointed. Okay. I'll be very quick about President Biden and the classified documents that have been located uh, in a couple, three different places. One at uh, University of Pennsylvania at some office. He had some, you know, satellite um, off-site office. Classified material were found there, as well as some classified material found in cardboard boxes in his home in Wilmington, Delaware. It just so happens that Hunter, his son, was actually living there. This is when Biden was vice president. Those documents have been there for quite some time, for several years. And Hunter was living there at the time, and he was paying rent, and he was paying his father $50,000 a month in rent. A lot of people have talked about, you know, 10% for the big guy, money laundering, all that kind of stuff. Certainly looks very, very suspicious. I don't have any more information than the next guy, but it does look very, very, very suspicious. So here's my prediction based in absolutely nothing but conjecture and some wild ass guesses. I predict that within six months, Biden will resign. Um, he is definitely not in control of the government. He is definitely suffering from some a cognitive decline. Some people say dementia, Alzheimer's, that sort of thing. No idea. But he's definitely not on the ball. You can look up some of the things that he says, some of the words or non-words that he uses. You, you can look it up if you want. It's In a way, it's kind of sad that he's being taken advantage of like this and you know, even though I don't agree with a lot of what he stands for, I, I feel, I feel, I feel embarrassed for him. And I also feel kind of sad because he is definitely being taken advantage of. And, and that is not a good thing under any circumstances. Okay. The last podcast, I told you that I was going to try uh, a, a instant pot meal. And what I made was instant pot sloppy joes. And it was absolutely fantastic. I just have a little bit left and it was very, very good. Where I get some of these recipes, there is a YouTube channel and it's called Six Sisters Stuff. So six is spelled out S-I-X, sisters, and then stuff. So apparently there's six sisters and they do a lot of videos revolving around Instant Pot and Instant Pot recipes. If you have an Instant Pot, you're curious about getting an Instant Pot, and you want to look up some of the recipes, uh, they have a fantastic channel. They post at least one or two videos a week. They have a really good website. A lot of the resources are available free of charge, and there's a little bit of humor and stuff like that. So they're, they're, they're kind of entertaining to watch. So if you get a chance, six sisters stuff on YouTube. So currently there are pineapple rings in my freeze dryer. 
over the last few days, I kind of had a long weekend, had uh, Saturday and Sunday off, and Monday was a holiday, and then I took today off as well. So over the past few days, I have baked some chicken breasts that I picked up at Costco, let them cool, kind of cubed them, kind of kind of smaller pieces, maybe the size of like a dice, something like that. Put them in the freeze dryer, took about 16 hours, uh, took both batches out, and they did very, very well, very, very, very little moisture, and put them in a uh, bag, vacuum sealed them, wrote the date, what they were, and then went ahead and stored them away. So currently, there's some pineapple rings in there. I have not done pineapple rings before, but I have done apple, you know, slices of apple, apple chips, as well as banana chips, and actually threw some cinnamon on the latest batch of apple chips, and they turned out very, very well. The pork. I'm not sure if I told you guys last podcast about the pork. I did the same thing, pork chops, let them cool, cubed them, tried to get as much grease out of the pork chop, pork chop as I could. But when they came out of the freeze dryer and I put them in for uh, three extra hours, I believe, some of the smaller pieces were good to go. But there were some pieces that still, when I lifted them off the tray, they were still moist and it was basically grease. There was a little bit of grease left on the tray. I went ahead and threw the whole thing out. There's no way that I'm going to risk this going rancid, even if it's you know even if it's vacuum sealed. It's still going to go rancid uh, after a period of time, and it's just not worth somebody getting sick. So I'm going to have to look at uh, maybe a different way, a different method, and have to get more of the fatty content, more of the grease out. It definitely can be done. I just have to do a little more research and figure it out. So let's talk about freeze dryers themselves. So I do have a freeze dryer. It's from Harvest Right, R-I-G-H-T, Harvest Right. And they are located in Salt Lake City, Utah, I believe. They're one of the few companies that I'm aware of that produces both commercial, pharmaceutical, and I guess home home freeze dryers. Um, you know, something that, that folks can use at home. So I am not affiliated with them in any way. They're not paying me to make any reviews of their products, that sort of thing. So, so what I did was I purchased a freeze dryer, gosh, it's been six, six, seven months ago. And I purchased them the medium. They have small, medium, large, and they actually have an extra large now. So if you go to harvestright.com, I'll put the link in the little show description or whatever they call it once I'm done. So harvestright.com, a very well put together website, a ton of information. It gives the benefits of freeze drying, why you should freeze dry. And here, here's just like, here's some of the ones that are rather obvious. So for emergency prep, apples, fruit, things out of your garden, vegetables, you go camping and hunting. It's a lot less expensive for you to freeze dry a meal or freeze dried food, you know, in separate containers to make a meal than it is to carry, uh, like if you want to carry like a soup. So you can carry a couple of cans of your Dinty Moore soup or your Campbell soup, or you can take the time to freeze dry it and you just basically add water to it. You're going to add water and you don't have the weight of the can of soup. Plus, it's a lot less expensive and it's a lot more nutritious for you to make your own as opposed to something coming out of a can. Long-term food storage kind of goes hand in hand with emergency prep. Like I said, much healthier. And a lot of people make their own dog food and dog treats. I never really thought about that, but I did run across a website where uh, this business, they freeze dry 
they cook livers just like in I think salt and better salt and better <laughs> salt and pepper and butter and they freeze dry livers and they sell them as freeze dried dog treats really kind of cool so again check out their website if you get a chance so we'll talk about the different kinds of freeze dryers that they have they have a small one that has three trays they have the medium which is what I have now which is four they have the large which is five now and recently they have uh, brought back their extra large freeze dryer this thing is enormous it has six trays the trays are much wider probably a third or a, or a quarter again wider as the other trays it is a bit pricey it retails for about five thousand dollars and Currently, they have a sale. It's $4,595, $4,595. I believe that does include shipping, and it's everything that you need. They throw in, there's the pump. They throw in uh, the trays. There's a guide, mylar bags, oxygen absorbers, and impulse sealers. And it's about a, a four to six week delay for these particular ones. So they've, they've, they're really advertising uh, the extra large uh, right now with some of the benefits it having a larger capacity and the availability to freeze dry more food at the same time i considered getting the extra large and then selling my medium but the more i think about it i don't think there's going to be a need for me to freeze dry that much at once i guess if you had a, a large family you were splitting the cost with a neighbor or a friend and you had the thing running all the time maybe that would be I guess that would be a better value or a better better deal for you to go with the large one. They most of them are on sale. Uh, they've knocked off four or five hundred dollars. They are very very popular. I personally have had zero issues with mine now that I've just jinxed myself. But there are some negative reviews. But for me, I've had zero issues. And just the one or two times that I've had to get in contact with customer support, they picked up the phone right away. They answered my email within a few hours. And it was something very minor. I forget, I forget what it was. Oh, oh, the front, the front panel wasn't exactly lined up. And they explained, oh, just undo this screw, undo that screw, and you know, and I put it back in and it, and it lined up, it lined up just fine. How does a freeze dryer work? And I'm gonna have to read this off of a website because all I know is there's a vacuum, it gets really, really cold, and it gets really, really hot in all these different cycles, and you open it up and bam, it's magic, and there's no moisture in your food, and it's just fantastic. Okay, so first it freezes. So when I put in the apple rings, uh, the apple rings, the pineapple rings, the first thing you do, it kind of chills it, it chills the, the, the unit down to uh, the chamber, I guess, down to about 15 or 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, what I do is I pre-freeze my food onto my trays, the, uh, the stainless trays, so it cuts down on the amount of time because everything is monitored by the, by the computer. Everything's monitored by the machine. So it takes it a little, a little less time to get down to, I think it's negative 35 or 36 degrees Fahrenheit is the freeze drying temperature where it actually freezes. So if my stuff is already frozen, it's going to help it out a little bit. So the food is cooled below its triple point to make sublimation, to make sure sublimation will happen during the drying stages. So here's sublimation. So it'll do that for several hours. So the primary drying stage the stage removes the free ice by applying a small amount of heat 
The heat provides the energy needed to sublime the free ice sublimation without thawing the food. Primary drying removes about 95% of the moisture. I think mine gets up to about 125, 130 degrees. And depending on what you're freeze drying, you can always go into the settings. And uh, there's always best practices you can find on their website. There's all sorts of uh, literature out there, people that have done it before. You can certainly follow their guides. Uh, it saves a little bit of time, comes out a little bit nicer. Now, there's an additional drying cycle that's called desorption. I guess that's the opposite of absorption. So desorption is a secondary drying cycle. Bonded water, bonded water molecules. I'm reading this like I know what I'm talking about. I can't even say it now. The bonded water molecules are released during this phase. It happens by increasing the heat. This stage actually starts before the sublimation primary cycle is complete. So the final stage brings the moisture down between one and four percent. You get almost all the moisture out, put it in a vacuum bag, go ahead and vacuum seal it, a very, very long shelf life. You freeze dry something, put it in a mason jar, you can vacuum seal the mason jar, you can put an oxygen absorber in the mason jar with it. You don't have to, just vacuum sealing it is fine, but I kind of just do do them both just to be just to be on a safe side. And you certainly have the ability to set that up on a shelf, like my prepping prepping room, the closet, the pantry, whatever you want to call it, is I keep it very, very dark in there. You want to keep sunlight away from away from the food as best you can. Got some blackout curtains, and you you know try to keep the the temperature uh, relatively moderate. You don't want it too hot. You don't want it too cold. You just want to keep, kind of keep it um, fairly consistent. You know as as best you can. There is a quick down and dirty explanation on how freeze drying works. Now they are expensive absolutely they are expensive. I consider this an investment. I have currently, I have freeze-dried 80 dozen scrambled eggs. I scramble the eggs, let them cool, put them on the trays, freeze-dry them, put them in the bags, vacuum seal them, date them, you know, scrambled eggs, put the date on it, and then sock that away. I've also done that with raw eggs. Kind of whip them up a little bit, almost like the consistency of a scrambled egg when you would put it in the pan, but not quite. Try to keep the air bubbles out of it and drop that in the tray, freeze dry it. It comes out. It's basically a powder. So it's, it's, it's powdered eggs, I guess, in a sense. And I, I, I'd have to look at my spreadsheet to see how many dozen I have freeze dried raw. And those are going to be used in, in recipes, anything that would need eggs, pancakes, waffles, any, any sort of cakes, uh, pastries, whatever, anything that would call for a raw egg, you just go ahead and use the, the freeze-dried egg powder. If it's something that you're interested in, definitely go to their website. Again, a lot of good information. I've had zero trouble with mine. They're very, very receptive if you have any questions uh, about the freeze-drying process. When I purchased mine, I think it was about an eight or 10-week delay. Looking on their website now, their medium freeze-dryer, let me see if they have a... No, it looks like... They have these in stock. They don't have anything. They'll normally have like a little stamp or something on the particular uh, freeze dryer itself, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it happens to be. They also have layaway options, which is kind of cool. If you put down a down payment of $250 is the minimum, regardless of the size of the freeze dryer, small, medium, large, extra large, and then you just pay as much as you want when you want. It's zero interest until it's paid in full. Your freeze dryer will ship when you've made the final payment. I think that's pretty cool. So 
You'll see that, so you're going to get the small freeze dryer. The small freeze dryer is, all right, let's go with the, yeah, let's go with the medium. The medium freeze dryer is uh, $2,900. You say 3000 So you put down the down payment of $250 and I don't know, $10 a week, $20 a week, $100 a month, whatever you can afford. And it doesn't have to be consistent. You don't have to, you know, $25 every week or $50 every month. You just kind of pay what you what you can when you can. And before you know it, you've got your freeze dryer paid off. So think about it this way. So you're going to go to Starbucks one less time a week. So there's what, eight bucks? So there's $32 a month. You're going to take your lunch like I have been the last few months. You're going to take your lunch instead of going to the burger place and get wings or whatever. So you've just saved yourself, I don't know, what, 10, 12, 15 bucks. Don't go out, of lunch. Don't go out to lunch twice. So there's 30 bucks. You got your Starbucks. There's almost 50, there's, so there's 50 bucks just in that week that you could then send off to the freeze dryer. So just make it an even 75. So every month you're going to send in $75, and before you know it, you're gonna they're going to give you an email. They'll say congratulations. It's taken you several weeks or several months, but you have just um, purchased your freeze dryer. It's going to come in a big old heavy box in a few weeks, and then you're good to go. All right, folks, again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate every single person that listens uh, to the podcast. Like I said, it continues every week. I get more and more listens, uh, more and more traction, different countries. We got you know other countries checking in. It's, it's really fun. It's fun to do, and I'm glad I'm providing you know some information out there. Again, I am not an expert, but just like the professional voiceover guy says in the beginning, prepping does not have to be expensive. It does not have to be complicated. Again, do something. Doing something to prepare is better than doing nothing. We're not preparing for the zombie apocalypse. I'm doing it as a hedge on inflation. But there's enough wacky stuff going on in the world that it wouldn't surprise me if something kicks off and, you know, we're going to be up Schitt's Creek without a paddle. Again, 90% of people out there are not prepared even they do not have enough food and water to support themselves and their family for three days. How scary is that? I have that and then some. So my friends, family members, maybe even some neighbors, if the poop hits the fan, I am going to be there to obviously take care of myself and my family. And I have an elderly neighbor lady next door. I will make sure she's taken care of. She has family members, but they live, uh, they live several states away. So again, do something because even a little bit of something is better than nothing. And as always, folks, please be safe out there. Take care of one another. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review. 